I want to talk some more about the hindrances, uh, the last of the hindrances, and the role they play uh, at different stages of meditation. Uh, but first, I'm, I, I hate to come back to the same topic over and over again, but it seems necessary. Uh, let's talk about noble silence, and this time we'll do it differently. I'd like to hear uh, from any of you uh, your thoughts. If, if you personally uh, have a problem with the idea of practicing noble silence. Anyone who doesn't really like the idea Okay. Well, is there anyone that likes the idea, but they don't feel like it's really necessary or important? Yeah? Um, it seems it's like this. Uh, when I went to uh, Mahashi's Mm-hmm. Retreat center. Yes. Everything being take care. Mm-hmm. We just check in, right. and we can keep our noble service, no problem. Yes. Because they have a a group, mm-hmm. a support system. Everything take care of. If we individual have any problem, we write the notes, put on the uh, box. Yes. People working there take care of it beautifully. So in Mahashi's uh, retreat center. Uh, I can keep no silence, absolutely no problem. But uh, in here, mm-hmm. um, because nobody take care of all this mm-hmm. necessity, because mm-hmm. we are living here, it's more like a big family. And you mm-hmm. know, run a house, run a household. So there's a lot of it, and also because we are kind of a stranger mm-hmm. put together, right. so we absolutely have no more uh, cheese also. Uh, we, we don't have a, a, yeah, mutual mm-hmm. understanding we, we do not have. So mm-hmm. nobody knows something what to do with what yeah. or who do what yeah. or how to handle the situation. Because I think that uh, before this retreat started, we failed to have a meeting all together and uh, uh, throw out all the possible problem and then divide it to some group who take care of what. We don't have this system. So when things happen, it just somebody happened to be there, then jump into and react to it. In that situation, talking become necessity because it's very difficult for us to sit down and write a long notes to exchange because it's just not enough time to do that. So I think this is the main problem. Okay, well, let me answer that. Uh, It is a different situation here, I agree, that we don't have a staff. And at most retreats, like uh, I'm sure the Mahasi retreat that you were at was the same way. There were people who were responsible for taking care of things who were not Met, trying to meditate at the same time. They were staff people. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also, they, that whatever communications needed to take place, they had a place that they could go and do that where it was not disturbing to others. Uh, and it would be wonderful if we had that. Uh, and I, I take it also uh, a good suggestion that perhaps more time uh, just organization and familiarizing people with things at the beginning that might help. But uh, so, but uh, what what I hear you saying, and what I want to see if this is the way everybody sees it, is that the only talking that's taken place has been talking that was absolutely necessary in order to. Uh, uh, meet the needs of, of, of the retreat. 
do, do you uh, anybody who feels that as far as they know there's been no unnecessary talking taking place you know the reason uh, the, the problem is as it's just like a water gate mm-hmm. if you open a water gate the water just flow yeah I think that that's you probably know? you're probably right there if the, if there's one legitimate need for talking, then that opens Then you the just gate lo- lose it. And we lose it, so... Well... Uh, I, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> that seems to be exactly what has, what has been happening here. But, but I believe that all of us, we wanted to really diligently do noble science. Mm-hmm. I believe all of us wanted to do it. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, last night there wasn't any problem with the facilities, and I saw there were quite a few people talking. And and uh, me and another gentleman here had to almost we were raving, and then they couldn't see us, and then we had to snap our finger and knock on the floor to get their attention. And there was nothing wrong with the facility last night. Mm-hmm. Okay, Michael, let me stop you right there before mm-hmm. I get my ill will, okay? <laughs> uh, let me just let this out so we both can live the rest of our day in peace, okay? I'm very at peace. <laughs> uh, last night is after the Dharma talk. Sophia had some Dharma problem because, you know, she's not very good with English. So she has some problem asking me. There's some translation. We didn't do it well for her. So we kind of whispering, talking something related to Dharma. Yes, the, but it doesn't have to the, happen no, 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 here. Listen to me, so. listen to me, young man. Okay. That is just right after the Dharma talk. People are started to leaving. We both are the last one to leave the Dharma hall. So we didn't stay here deliberately talking to bother other people. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. We are just the last couple to leave the hall. So as soon as we turn around, see you sit down, see your gesture, do meditation, we feel sorry right away. We stop talking, we leave the hall, we nicely turn off the light and close the window uh, for you. I wasn't talking about you, it was somebody else. Um, stay and talk later after you. I wasn't specifically talking about you. Okay. Well, can I, can let's, we can all just... Do you want to add something? Sorry. Can I? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the opposite is just a very strict, intolerant attitude, like this mm-hmm. morning. Um, um, we were, the, all the circuit break was off. And we, the heaters didn't work. I, they asked me to walk around to see the problem, so I used the flash, I look around, finally I found the problem. Mm-hmm. I was very excited and asked consent to come over to move that shelf for me so I can get to the, uh, the switchboard. And then I asked them to t- turn on the heater to see if it works. Mm-hmm. And that was the last part, I used the voice. And Michael was sitting there meditating. It reminds me of last night's example when he said somebody is having car problem, the tire, the tire just broke down and uh, he drove by, sit down, meditate and even uh, complain that we were making too much noise. Um, I think this kind of intolerance is, uh, and for me it's more upsetting than... I think, I think I'm being unfairly labeled here because <laughs> there, the heater was working. That heater was working and during the summer retreat that, that um, AC was on all the time and not one single person complained. And the basic necessity of keeping warm was there already. I didn't see the yet. I didn't see the emergency. But after I know that this is really important to them, so I went out and I started looking. I wasn't exactly trying to neglect people's concerns. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have to confess. I have. I had. Um, this is the first time uh, I I joined the retreat, this, this kind of program. I'm not so familiar. 
It's not that we need to be uh, excessively uh, rigid, uh, but if we say that we're not going to be excessively rigid, then we have to say, well, then we have to have some kind of understanding of uh, what is uh, what is ex- excessive failure to uh, respect the rule, you know. Um, Just so that you'll know, in all the retreat situations that I've been familiar with in the past, there have always been from time to time something that necessitated one person or another to, to speak. Uh, and when that happened, people made the greatest attempt they could to be circumspect. I mean, very often the task that I volunteer for in a retreat is uh, to do with uh, the, the dishes in the kitchen. And uh, sometimes it's necessary to ask a question. And other people in other situations likewise. And that's an example of uh, it, it's a laxity with regard to the rule, but it's one that is so uh, is exercised so infrequently that it doesn't cause anybody distress. You know, uh, at all of these same retreats that I've been at, the other part of it is the rule is noble silence, and if it was ever necessary. Uh, for someone to uh, speak to somebody about uh, about violating noble silence, and they had to do it uh, more than uh, more than twice, they were usually asked to leave the retreat. Very, very rarely happens, but you know it's natural human nature, and some people are a little more uh, how would you put it a, 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 a little more inclined to push the limits than others. But the reason that in meditation retreats it is this way is because uh, it is very important to be able to have the silence and to, to have a minimum of distraction, of unnecessary distraction. And I've tried to, to stress to you that when you talk unnecessarily, you are depriving yourself of a lot of the benefit of the retreat by doing so, and appealing in that way to your selfish desire to get the greatest benefit that you can. And then also I'm reminding you that every time somebody hears you speak and it disturbs them, interferes with their meditation, uh, appealing to your sense of uh, responsibility and compassion and caring for other people. I think uh, it is it is true that when there are occasions when people must speak out of necessity, as often as it has been here, it does sort of open the floodgates and it makes it much more difficult for people to restrain themselves because somebody else is whispering over there about some problem with uh, getting the garbage picked up. And so it makes it difficult to remember that the uh, desire to speak to your companion about something uh, is, uh, is not appropriate. So it's a question of finding a balance. And what we see here, what we see here is people having their mental uh, equilibrium disturbed when they're trying to take advantage uh, of the opportunity to practice. Uh, some people sp- uh, experiencing uh, a certain degree of ill will, but whatever it is, it's agitation in their mind. And it's unfortunate that happens. And it's not about any kind of blame from my point of view, but it's about let's try 
for the remainder of this retreat to do everything that we can, every single one of us, to make sure that every single one of us gets the greatest benefit they can from this retreat. So just recognizing that some of our behaviors have been a problem for some other people. If you can recognize and accept that, instead of trying to deny it and rationalize, recognize and accept that and use that as the starting point so that for the rest of the retreat, you'd be very, very mindful of how anything that you do is likely to affect somebody else. And, and, and just have the utmost respect uh, that you're capable of for everyone else. Uh, and if we can, I did ask that we have a rule that, except when I'm sitting here and we're having a session like this, that don't let a single word pass your lips in this space or within a reasonable distance from this space. So we'll make we'll make this we'll make this the locus of the very very strict strictest application. Uh, everywhere else, you do your absolute best not to do anything that is going to in any way disturb the, the, the mental peace of anyone else and to make it uh, to, to in any way obstruct their ability to get the greatest benefit. But with regard to this space and the surrounding of it, let's be absolute. So when I get up and leave, not another word, okay? Please? Yeah, and uh, I would like to apologize to Michael that uh, I lose my temper is my problem. I want Michael to know that uh, uh, I have a great respect for his practicing and I will do my best not to disturb him anymore. I'm very sorry. Thank you very much. On the other hand, there are a lot of people who are having very good success in their meditation now, and it makes me very happy to know that. And so maybe with a little bit less of this kind of disturbance, everybody will have much more success and make greater progress. Yes, Jack? I do have some suggestions. Since a lot of problem comes from the facility maintenance or come from kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, yes. maybe we can do this way. If there's a facility problem, just get up to Michael, and Michael handles it. And we just leave the problem on the, on, the, on the board, so Michael will take care of it. If Michael needs manpower, and we, we are here, so we can, uh, we can push us, and we can help. Yes. If the kitchen problem, if there's no uh, enough people, well, boys always are available. And uh, maybe kitchen, um, kitchen thing can go to uh, Deborah, so that two people can do something. The other people just mm-hmm. being asked. Otherwise, just remain your assignments. That sounds very reasonable to me. Reasonable. To that me. sounds very reasonable to me. And there's a happier note. Um, the the bathroom is working once again. I noticed the sign was gone. Oh, yeah. That's good. Um, and I'm thinking the clogging. I'm not sure what caused it, but the safest thing to do is probably not to put anything solid in there. That means we should only urinate. In the toilet, <laughs> and, not, and nothing more. Just to be on the safe side, because we do have a sec- second session. Without the two toilets nearby, it could be, it could be a, uh, uh, in- inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's the good news, and uh, uh, that that will make it easier. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I just want to have a question. I just want to clarify. I appreciate you you, you, you mentioned a suggestion and, and, and I appreciate Michael being in charge of that. But I still don't understand what I'm in charge of. Kitchen for what? Kitchen, cooking, food. I don't know, my observation is like that. Um, sometimes uh, we think, uh, you know, like uh, kitchen needs help. So I just offer my, myself mm-hmm. and come there and help. Um, it's Kind of out of a compassion, mm-hmm. but sometimes create problem mm-hmm. because this task may or, already has assigned to somebody else. 
So, which means five people, maybe just two, two, uh, two people less in the, it just my observation. Sometimes, like last night, I, I still remain in a, in a here, I try to, uh, at the same time, stretch my leg. I also try to meditate a little for a while. And I notice some people is closing the window and a switch of the aircon, which is a good. It's uh, it's concerned as it's too cold. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, if somebody is still here, and you just leave, and we will take care of it. Yes. So I just uh, raise my hand. I don't know. I, don't know uh, I think they are yeah really care of us, but uh, actually disturb me because uh, the scratch of the window is really terrible sound. Very terrible sound. Yes. The intention is very good, but okay. just Yes, yeah, so sometimes wanting to be helpful in the kitchen but not knowing what somebody else has already done leads to a perceived need to say something, to make explanations and so forth. And so sometimes it's better uh, to recognize that maybe you can just let the people who are already doing things take care of them. And then if, there, if you see something that uh, you feel like needs attention, uh, if you could write a note to, to Deborah. And really good idea, anything you have to communicate to Deborah, even if you have to write a whole page, write it. You see, Deborah, wonderful as she is, she has trouble not talking. So if you speak to her, <laughs> then you can help her, help her very much by, you know, give her a note. Okay. Also, just one last little thing. I'm sorry we spent so much time talking about these kinds of things, but but this is necessary. <laughs> it, it is necessary. But uh, uh, some of you, uh, many of you, I, I know have uh, have found uh, that. Peggy's breathing has made it difficult for you. You're trying to follow your breath and you end up following her breath instead. You know? And she has, uh, she has a problem that uh, she can't help. That we talked about it and uh, she was the one that originally suggested it, uh, that maybe that she would meditate in her room. And uh, I think that's wonderfully, uh, it's a wonderful uh, offer on her part and so I've said they will accept that and she'll she'll do her sitting meditations in her room so that uh, hopefully you won't uh, be disturbed by her breathing. What that does mean though is uh, during the meditation periods she will be in the bedroom meditating so please be even more careful than I've already asked you to be in terms of talking where you know, it might disturb her practice in the room. Okay? So. Um, may I suggest, Peggy, can you put a sign on your door saying meditation is in progress, that kind of sign? So when we immediately walk in that door, we, we see the sign. Okay. Because sometimes we forgot we are human beings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Put a sign there so as soon as we walk into the hall, we okay. see the sign. Thank you. Right. thank you. So thank you, Peggy, on behalf of everyone else. And well, thank, thank you, you everybody you else on behalf of Peggy for being very careful not thank to you. Thank talk you around. For, for trying to understand. Yeah, okay. sorry for the for the breathing because it's a it's been a medical problem with my nose. I know, I know. Thank you very much. Okay. So back to the hindrances. And uh, we, were, we, have, uh, we talked quite a bit about uh, worldly desire yesterday and the role it plays as a, a hindrance. And I, I had uh, told you that, I had pointed out to you, of course, that the constant stream of thoughts that arise that uh, that make it difficult to achieve single-pointedness uh, 
largely are arising, or, uh, or yeah, to a very large extent, are arising out of worldly, worldly desire. They are thoughts that are rooted in worldly desire. And that these two uh, factors, uh, single-pointedness and worldly desire, are uh, opposed to each other. And so as you develop single-pointedness, it uh, reduces the, the strength of uh, desire that you experience all of the time. But, uh, of course, the thoughts arising out of worldly desire are opposing the development of single-pointedness. And just to clarify, what do I mean by single-pointedness? Your your awareness is single-pointedness, is single-pointed to the extent that your focus is pretty much exclusively on whatever you choose it to be. So, single-pointedness doesn't mean a very small focus, necessarily. It can. But uh, it could also mean a large focus. In other words, you could be single-pointedly focused on a sensation at the tip of your nose. You could also be single-pointedly focused on the sensation in your entire body simultaneously. So it's not the size, it's not the, the largeness of what you're focusing on. It's the aspect of singleness or exclusiveness. It's not the pointedness, it's the singleness. It's that this is what you're attending to, whether it's small or large, but this is what you're attending to, and the mind is disregarding everything else. Right. Yes. A question. When I I feel more sensitive when I inhale the, the north pole mm-hmm. and uh, breath out, it's a tip of the, the bit. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. I breath in and focus on the north pole and breath out. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That, 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 that's a, that's exactly what you should do. You know. I thought one single, so it should be only one point. Yeah. You know. Well, it, the the singleness refers to. Only those, only the area that you're using as your as your object. So, what would not be, what is not single pointed? Uh, if if we use my eyes as corresponding to attention and the tips of these fingers as corresponding to our meditation object, when we have the experience that we are aware of the meditation object, but we are also aware of all kinds of other things in addition to that. And when the result of that awareness is that the attention is wavering so that, you know, instead of my eyes being fixed on my fingertips, there's the little movements of my eyes to, to diff- even though it's very momentary, just momentarily looking away to other things, being aware of them as well. And also my eyes can focus, you know, very, very tightly or, uh, you know, my, I can expand the focus or shift the focus so that I'm also aware of other things. So this, in your attention, when there are a lot of other things present in your awareness other than your meditation object, and you are aware of them because your your attention is, is wavering a little bit quickly place to place. So as a result of that, that's not single-pointedness. As we progress and we are able to hold our, our attention very, very steadily on this and disregard everything else, then that is single-pointedness. But also what happens in the development of meditation is that as you acquire the skill to hold your attention steady, also the number of distractions dramatically decreases. There are many, many fewer thoughts. They become, uh, only occasional thought comes through. And because of the steadiness of your focus, that thought is just, uh, it's like a wispy thing just passing by and, and, and it has no power to draw you away. Or sounds or sensations, other things like that, they... They, your focus is steady here. So they, 
they come and they go, but you, but your attention doesn't doesn't move. It just, you know, uh, some, somebody coughs and it's just, it's there and it's gone. Your attention doesn't follow it. Okay, and not only that, there's many different sounds, some very subtle, and when you're attending here. You don't even know they're there. The only ones that you're, when you have single point of concentration, the only sounds that you're aware of at all are, like I say, somebody coughs and it comes and goes, or a door slams and it comes and goes. But there's all the other ones that they don't even register at all. Okay? So that's, that's what we mean by single pointedness. We don't mean, it's not sharp little tiny point. <laughs> You know, but it uh, it it is resting in a single place and but, uh, and, and steadily. So, you have a comment? I just um, I've experienced a, a state where um, I was able to stay focused, and then if there was like you were saying, not subtler sounds didn't really do anything, but if there was like a cough or a pop, it really like it's like kind of like a shock. You know, yeah. I mean, you don't. You don't move or anything, but it's like you feel like a, you know, a shockwave almost. It's so profound, like that feeling when you're about to fall asleep, mm-hmm. and there's that loud—not that I'm falling asleep—but there's, you know, there's that every loud noise just really jars mm-hmm. you. Is that is that what you mean? Uh, when uh, yes, I, I I think that we're talking about the same thing. When you're not really aware of any of the other sounds except when one intrudes. But uh, the stability of your attention will come to the point where, uh, although you know the sound was there, it, it doesn't disturb your focus at all. The, the shock wave doesn't happen either there. And that's a combination of, uh, in, in, in addition to stability of attention, the degree of your mindful awareness uh, when you have a very high level of alertness and mindful awareness, it's as though some part of your mind knows about the sound and is able to disregard the sound quickly enough that it no longer shocks you. <laughs> so you also find that that goes away. But, yeah, single-pointedness is, is... You're just not noticing the distractions, and there are many, many fewer distractions. Because your mind ceases to create as many distractions as you become more and more focused. So, one of the things that you'll notice is, is that the number of thoughts diminishes tremendously. And that makes it, of course, much, much easier. And then those thoughts that do come up, uh, because of the stability of your attention, uh, it, uh, it's not very difficult to uh, just let those thoughts come, come and go, and they just become like uh, like a cloud passing in the sky, or like a, a, a car driving by on the street when you're doing something else. Which it's just it has the it, there may be an awareness of it, but it's not significant. It's not disturbing. It's not taking you away. But in terms of of suppressing this, overcoming this hindrance of worldly desire to the extent that uh, you have very few occasions of this kind of thought arising. Uh, This also is uh, going to be a result of doing the practices uh, in the rest of your life so that you are not so... Uh, enthralled by worldly desire. We talked about the practice of generosity so that you become aware of what your attachments are. That's an example of that. Just anything that you do that allows you to become more aware of your attachments as attachments. When the thought comes with regard to the things in your job 
or the courses that you're taking uh, in school, or the issues that are coming up um, in any part of your life, when you have that recognition that this is an attachment, then that awareness weakens the attachment. And then when you're meditating, and a thought, particular thought, keeps coming back, and you recognize it, and you recognize it, ah, oh, this, this is this is coming out of a desire that I have. This is coming out of an attachment that I have. It makes it easier to let that thought go. It allows you to address that thought in a very different way than what we normally do. Normally, a thought comes and we get caught by the content of the thought. But this allows us to stay outside of the content and identify the thought as a distraction, as a manifestation of desire, and as a manifestation of attachment. And so, with that recognition staying outside of the thought, the thought is not energized, and it will pass away of its own. The more often you do that, then the fewer are the thoughts that come, and the thoughts that come arrive with less energy. And therefore, they expend that energy and they dissipate from your attention more quickly. So this is how, this is how we overcome the hindrance of worldly desire and the thoughts that it creates while at the same time uh, cultivating uh, and arriving at a point of single-pointed attention, single-pointed concentration. Were you? Uh, yes. I have a question. Uh, if we follow the schedule very strictly, I just feel it's very hard, hard to concentrate all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, way better if we do the optimization, just do some uh, relaxation exercises and just contemplation. You know, let the thoughts go for a while and come back. I feel it will be better if you can concentrate in a meditation hall. Uh, you mean if you? If you're finding that when you sit, that the number of distracting thoughts is actually increasing, and the sense of agitation in your mind is is uh, uh, it, it, you, there's no discernible improvement. It's just you're more and more thoughts, more and more agitation. Is that what you mean? Mm, uh, not really. Uh, I mean, before 45 minutes, uh, meditation section pass and. And we go out and do a walking meditation, mm-hmm. and we still need to fill a thirty minutes concentration. Yes, feels tired. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right or not. So I just sometimes I just I think oh, I need a, a kind of a relax. Mm-hmm. So I just stay under the sun, just let the, the sun go through my body and feel relaxed. About it. Okay, do. Uh, do a more relaxing walking meditation when you, uh, when you feel the need to do that. That's exactly the way you should. The walking meditation, sometimes it's an opportunity to uh, further deepen your concentration uh, or, or further sharpen your awareness. But sometimes you need, you, you have the need to do, a more, to do the walking meditation in a more relaxing way. I would encourage you to still do the walking meditation but uh, loosen up your standards, uh, loosen up your uh, <clears throat> criteria for what you're expecting of yourself. But always stay in the place of uh, you're in the present, you're in the here and now. So if you're walking, enjoy the walking, but stay in uh, hearing what's actually taking place, feeling what's actually taking place not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, uh, not being engaged in some discursive thought process, some abstract thinking. But you don't always have to be so uh, tightly focused. So if that's what you're meaning, yes. But tiny folks should not uh, uh, resolve tiredness, right? Should be relaxed. Yes. You should be in a relaxed state. You want to be in a state of relaxed, alert awareness. 
That's that's the definition of what you want. When we sit like this for 45 minutes, I think mm-hmm. the back is really hurt. Yes. So, and that's well. And so, that's if you get up and do walking meditation, hopefully that helps your back. Sometimes you sit for 45 minutes, and uh, there's been there's been many distractions, many thoughts. You have to be very vigilant. You keep catching yourself and bringing yourself back. You keep trying to uh, engage more fully with the sensations of the breath to keep uh, to keep the mind from wandering again. And at the end of that session, you feel tired because you've been doing a lot of mental work. That's this is what I thought that you were meaning. Yeah. So when you do your walking meditation, then not only is it going to be an ease on your back, which is perhaps stiff from from sitting so long, but it's also if you feel the fatigue in your mind from the constant vigilance and bringing the attention back and vigilance and bringing the attention back, then do the walking meditation in a uh, less intensely focused way. Allow yourself to just be much more open to the uh, to a broader range of sensations and experience. Okay, that's how both of these, both, both, the, both the stress in the body is relieved by the walking meditation, but so also is some of the accumulated uh, uh, fatigue from the constant mental exercise of bringing your bringing your attention back. About the position, should we try as possible as we can, uh, try strictly to the spine straight, or we can actually lean on a wall? So. Um, fine. What you want to do is continue to find your posture so you can find a position that you can sit in and sustain it without moving throughout the entire period of your sit. And there is nothing, there's no problem if that involves some degree of support in your back. But uh, it shouldn't be a degree of support in your back that is changing throughout the sit. Okay? So... Yeah. Do you mind if I can share my experience? Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, my experience that because uh, usually in, in this state, I just want to say to you, in these days, I maybe when I sit, it's around maybe two hours each time, and, and yeah, and the way I can do that in the past, I I try to you know. It's tired, and I try to a little bit this way, but even worse if a long period of time. Okay, because I live through and because I when I sit, I have a lot of energy, and energy hits the back of that, and sometimes it's hurting. So, so this time if I can do the longer time, usually I have just a steel, the the head, the the back is very straight and still not not tight, but it's very straight. When you straight, I don't know, the body seems to support itself. You know, if I this or this, sometimes it's hurting. So if I keeping the, the posture straight and usually can sit longer, it's no, not, not that kind of hurting or tightness. That, that's my experience, so I just share that. Yeah. Um, you can try to figure out to you with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said that if you don't keep your posture uh, straight, you feel like the energy is blocked down here. It's hot down there. Is that what you're saying? And then if no, you because because everybody's different. Right. Myself, my uh, I'm sit doing sitting is a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I just feel oh, seems here is tight. Uh-huh. And so when I sit, and sometimes I will, you know, a little bit that especially when the energy come and push me, and, and I, I feel like uh, the back is Oh, just straight it up. Oh, yeah. it hurts and, you when energy comes? Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. no, I, I just share. And my, my, the point, I don't want to distract oh, too Oh, okay, much. sure. Only the point posture. is that the posture, when I very straight, the steel, the, the body steel, mm-hmm. you know, not even this way, it's just very steel, can usually keep much longer and, and won't or feel any pain or anything. That's just my experience. So you can try a little bit for yourself. 
but very relaxed. Yeah. Uh, straight but very relaxed. Yeah, straight yeah. but relaxed. But, uh, now, now, now. Right. Please allow me to add one piece of the scientific uh, research. The scientists recently did the back research. They said that the straight actually is hurting you. It's not good for your spinal and uh, your position. The most comfortable way is 25 degree lean back. This is, you can go to the internet check. This 25 is a 25 lean degree forward, lean, lean, lean back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, lean back a little Well, that's the, that's the <laughs> scientist research. And also, um, I know uh, lots of the Chinese doctor. Mm -hmm. They told me, because they, they offer their uh, service towards uh, to the monk and nun, and they said that they find that the last of monk and the nun, they have a severe back problem due to the strict meditation position. So, you know, so we, well, my opinion is we better loosen up and find your best position. And also from, I listen to lots of Dharma talk and uh, MP3, believe me. And uh, my conclusion is the teacher told us Actually, the position is not that important. Of course, you need to find the most comfortable way to sit, but the most important thing is your mind. That if you can really do the focus, the, the posture actually is not that important. And one very good uh, teacher even said that uh, he encouraged that some people have some problem can really sit in the you know against the wall, 25 degree lean back. But like our teacher said, don't move, do your work. You can make yourself as comfortable as you can. But after you settle down, you accept everything, take it as it, and then do your work. And uh, don't don't force yourself to sit straight because. Uh, from, from all the information, I know it's not going to help because everybody is different. For Deborah, maybe the helper, but not. Well, I think 2,500 years of accumulated meditation experience agrees with what Deborah says, relax and straight. But what people sometimes don't understand is what we call straight is not really straight. The shape of the back is the neck goes like this, and then the thorax goes like this, and then the lumbar spine goes like this, and then the sacrum goes like this. So this is what we mean by straight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, um, and what we mean by not straight is this, and this. You know, and initially you may feel like this, oh, this feels pretty good. Huh? It won't in 15 minutes. <laughs> So it, re it really is, you know, although it's not really straight, uh, but the natural alignment of the spine is what is going to be the most comfortable uh, and the best. And in that position, uh, when we say relaxed, you know, the only muscles that need to be tense are the, a certain kind of muscle along your spine that is actually by nature intended to always have the just amount of tension to keep your to keep your back in its proper position. Now when you're sitting, I'll just mention to you, when you're sitting, when your concentration deepens, there's often a tendency to you'll start something over like this. And if you if you become aware of that, then just bring yourself back to the, the natural position that you found works for you. Um, if you allow yourself to stay in this kind of position, you will develop a, a, a soreness in your back the muscles because as, you, as your weight comes forward like this, muscles in your back need to contract to keep you from falling over the rest of the way. Gravity's pulling one way, the muscles are contracting more strongly, and you will develop a backache. So you're, you're better to, uh, to, whenever you realize that the slumping's taking place, to come back to this position. Yes? One is lucky enough to be able to sit for infinite amount of hours. Is there an upper limit to which that becomes uh, ineffective or unhealthy? That sitting for, well, uh, 
a certain amount of exercise is necessary for the body. So, <laughs> if you going to the bathroom is necessary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, more like is is it too? What's the most if, if you know physical body is not a constraint for for you know beginner or beginner to medium stage uh, meditation? What is the optimal amount of sitting uh, for each session? Well, for somebody who's just a, a raw beginner, they may need to start out with 15 or 20 minutes. But within, from anybody that's medita- been meditating for a month or two should probably be able to sit for an hour. Uh, I've had you been doing 45 minutes sits here, which is sort of a compromise. But I, I think an hour is a really good basic time for a sit. And as you, uh, as you become more experienced in practice, uh, you can sit for two hours. When you're in uh, uh, when you're in retreat, if you're in a long retreat, uh, by the second week, you may very well find that you have a natural inclination to sit for two, sometimes three hours, maybe four hours at a time. And uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But at that point, you should have so much mindful awareness of your body that you recognize. The body's need for movement. There's a certain amount of, uh, you know, and you can do, go and and uh, do walking meditation, and once at least once a day do some kind of uh, stretching or other exercise to maintain the body. But it doesn't hurt the body for sit for four hours at a time when when you have the mindfulness to recognize when you do need to to take care of the body properly. Yes. She's very lucky. She, she can sit yeah. for two and three hours. I envy mm-hmm. her. Sometimes jealous. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, that is that is very good. And uh, you know, the ability to sit for longer periods of time leads to great progress. It's very it's undeniable that it does. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a question about the energy because um, Deborah mentioned, you know, I I don't know what is the sens- sensation. Or how can you feel when energy coming or, or going through your body? Because I, 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 I do have experience like, like her. She, when I was doing meditation, like somebody pushing me in front, not much. And I got scared. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I don't know what is that. I, I saw maybe I lost the balance because the position is not right or something. Uh, well, the, the, the energy... It's a, it sometimes causes your body to move when it develops. But uh, it's what you're talking about is feeling as though your body is, is going one way or another. That's not really the movement due to the energy. The movement due to the energy is more of you probably start finding your body going like this. Or sometimes uh, make little circles. Or sometimes just sudden jerks will happen, you know, things like that. But as you become concentrated, um, what often happens is you begin to lose your normal awareness. You normally always have this awareness of the, the shape and the position of your body. You know where all the parts of your body are. But when you've been, concent- been concentrated for a while, sometimes you begin to lose that or sometimes that begins to be distorted. And uh, so you might feel, you're meditating, you feel like, you feel like you're about to fall over. Um, but if you, if you like bring yourself out of your focus and check to see, you're still sitting straight. Or you might be just slightly, slightly leaned over, but your mind has, because it no longer has a, a clear representation of your body, a very exaggerated perception of that occurs. Uh, and I, I think that probably when you have this experience that you feel like you're going to fall over backwards, uh, most of the time it's just it's a very slight backward movement which wouldn't be which you can sustain. But if you if that feeling arises that oh I'm falling over backwards and it's going to be triggering thoughts and disturbing your meditation. Better to take one brief second 
to to come into your body and adjust your posture to whatever slight degree you need just so that you go back to your practice without that distraction. But you you may very well, you know, back to the energy, you may very well at some point finding that there's much the uh, the much stronger movements in your body as a result of the, the energy arising. And uh, should that happen, as much as possible, just let them be and let that process develop by itself and take care of itself. That it should calm down and become insignificant at some point as the energy is able to flow. Your body moves, the energy rises, your body moves because it's not able to flow freely within the body. So, do you agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. Good. Thank you. Yeah, when, um, yeah, when there's a, a lot of blockage, there's a lot of movement, but when the mind quiets down, the body's more relaxed, the movement uh, subsides a lot more. Okay, yes? How do you deal with the, uh, how do you say that, cold shape? Saliva. Saliva. Swallowing the saliva. Okay. It's contagious. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's the one. All of a sudden, everybody's doing that. Um, first of all, if, you, if, if your tongue rests against the roof of your mouth and the back of your, your teeth, the back of your upper teeth, rather than uh, lying against the bottom of, of your mouth, there will be somewhat less tendency to, to produce as much saliva. It helps a little bit. But uh, it is an interesting thing that as your concentration deepens, very often you begin to produce more saliva. And that may just mean that you find yourself swallowing more often. So um, keep, keep the attention on the breath. Allow the swallowing to take place. If the, if the mind wants to follow the swallowing, then just incorporate that. Usually it comes at the end of the, uh, of the out-breath, you know, and so you follow the in-breath, you follow the out-breath, you follow the swallowing, you follow the in-breath, follow the out-breath, you follow the swallowing. No problem. <laughs> okay. So. And usually it, after a little while, the concentration deepens even further, and the saliva is not a problem anymore. Last question. Yeah, uh, it's not a question. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I feel ill. She, phys- she physically that doesn't feel good. I think she's... Uh, She's not feeling well, oh. so she's asking any gentleman can uh, take over the breakfast since uh, mm. I've been fired by her because uh, she kicked me out of the kitchen. <laughs> she want me to do practice and uh, out of her compassion and generosity, and okay. I greatly appreciate it. If you take over the kitchen, I can offer you a little help. No, no, uh, no? no <laughs> Jackie is good at cooking. Oh, oh, okay. So you stay fired. <laughs> There's a lot of work, I think, you know, we can handle Who is the other person? Me. But I'm not good cooking at all, so don't have to. I don't just reheat, not everything. Okay. Thank you, Jackie. Yes. If Jackie's going to do the breakfast, I could take over reading the... um, the I want to do this. I I remember the same assignment. Okay, um, ring the bell and... uh, Cleaning the uh, outside of the dormitories. Maybe Tracy, you can do it. Which one? Do the breakfast. No, I'm already doing dinner. Oh, okay. Uh, I think June, she enjoys wiping the floor, okay. so let her do the No, she, he is talking about his job and outside. No, no I could do that tomorrow morning. Rain or the bell, it's, it's, it's not a problem because it's on the schedule. I need to get up 10 minutes earlier, so let the don't think about that. And uh, if I do the, the breakfast and, and I 
and I still have fun time to clean the, uh, the, uh, the garden, uh, the outside. Is that too heavy? Joe yeah. can, no, no, can, can clean the garden. She no, no, okay. if you leave that on stage, he wants to clean the garden. It doesn't matter. No, 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 that's, that's what, do what do you want? What do you prefer? Whatever left, I can do it. Um, well, I, I, I hear that Jackie's a, it's good in the kitchen, so maybe it's better Jim sweeps the garden. <laughs> okay. But, but if, if this is the case, uh, I need to see your permission. Maybe he needs to understand where to put, what, what's the, the available food available, and maybe you just Okay. Good. So you can figure out how to do that with the minimum of without. Maybe you can do that without saying anything. Huh? <laughs> you can try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. It's time for lunch, and I'm so happy that everyone is going to do their best to make sure that everyone else has perfect meditation for the rest of the retreat. Thank you. Thank you.